You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. But to be honest, Alan said it earlier, Alan and I have been at it for 13 years. With Osina, I've been at it since 2016 properly. Um, it's been tough. Um, and financing, the burden of financing has been weighing on my shoulders all those years. And to be honest, I had to be a little bit selfish too. And I thought, is this, do I really want to do this again? Or do, do I want to um, tee up a nice package, ensure responsible and quality custodianship for the cornerstone asset? And at the same time, think about my exploration team, uh, make sure that they're funded, allow them to keep going. Yes, I'm giving up some of that value for, for shareholders like yourselves. I'm very conscious of that. But I think in the greater scheme of things, um, it was an acceptable sacrifice for me to make. But I do take it on the chin. Um, it would have been a very nice feature. It's just that at the time, taking everything into account, we felt that it was, we weren't willing to risk uh, the DPM deal potentially by too much brinkmanship at that point in time. And that's why we, we decided to let it go. My name is Bill Powers, and this is Mining Stock Education. And we're following up with a company that we featured, I don't know, maybe four years ago at this point, when it was uh, below 30 cents a share before its first discovery, its greenfield discovery. I'm speaking of Osino Resources in Namibia, and Osina has just accepted an offer to be bought out by uh, Dundee uh, Precious Metals for cash and share consideration. So I invited uh, Hayadan, the CEO, on the show to share with us his rationale, as well as Alan Friedman, the chairman of the board. I also asked David Erfley, my friend from Junior Miner Junkie, to join as we'll uh, ask Haya some questions as a follow-up. So Haya, I kick it over to you. Could you please lay out the rationale for this transaction? Yeah, Bill, before I do that, thank you very much for having us. I'm very pleased that we're here. First interview straight after the announcement, etc. And I'm also very pleased that David Erfley is here because I know between David and you, you guys brought a lot of shareholders into the stock and we, we take retail um, very seriously. Um, yeah, so thanks for introducing Alan. Let me just uh, say, you know, Alan has been an integral part of Osino. He's a co-founder. He's been there from the beginning. He was always my man in Toronto whilst I was down in Namibia doing the shoveling and doing the, the dirty stuff. He was he was hanging out with the brokers in the equity capital markets. And Alan did a fantastic job, um, always punching above our weight on the street. Um, unfortunately, in the last few years, as you know, there hasn't been much of a street. It's been very tough. I tell you, we really chose the wrong decade to do gold development stories. I mean, when we sold the previous deal to B2Gold in 2012, the market had already turned. And it was, a, it was an okay deal. Financially, I mean, everybody made money. It was, it was good. Uh, Beach, you made us look good. They built the mine. And we did it again with Twin Hills. Now, I can tell you, Bill, and by the way, thank you for this platform because I can speak more freely here than maybe I could on the, on the, on the webcast earlier. It's been a very difficult decision, let me tell you that. As a founder and co-founder, having discovered this project, you want to see it through all the way to the end. But you know, I'm a, I'm a professional. We are professionals. We know we're old enough to have the right judgment. And uh, a lot of things could have gone wrong. So clearly for us, this was a case of better bird in the hand than, and I'm not going to mention names, but there are a number of recent examples where things went seriously wrong. So I think in a different market where... The um, equity market would have given us more credit. We would have carried on on our own. But I think at this point in time, particularly considering that we would have had to raise a lot of equity very soon, 
Um, it could have gone seriously wrong. And this way, you know, I'm pleased. I'm excited about it because I do think that DPM is an excellent company. I think um, for your shareholders, um, or for, for your shareholders and our shareholders, for the shareholders that you guys brought in and our shareholders, I think it's a good deal because it, and I, I wrote down a few points here. First of all, it's an immediate premium, of course. That's always good. Um, you continue to have exposure to Twin Hills if you want to be, but you are you get that now as part of a diversified portfolio with some excellent other assets in Bulgaria and Serbia. You become part of a, a low-risk portfolio of assets in Europe and in, in Namibia. You've got a much more... You've got much more depth of management in order to take this project forward. You know, we were always a, we are world class explorers, very good project developers, but not necessarily mind builders. We could have gotten there, but we weren't there yet. Um, you know, with DPM, you get yield. I don't know if you looked at the numbers. DPM, I think I, I, I read a few moments ago, 14% free cash flow yields. You know, DPM itself is heavily undervalued. You know, they started talking, by the way, I'll tell you a quick anecdote. They started talking to us. Um, eight months ago. They offered us a much lower price at the time. If we had taken it, we would have re-rated by 60% since then. Um, so, you know, there's always timing. I'm, I'm comfortable that this this deal is good at this point in time because it takes away that dilutionary risk that has sunk so many other companies at this point in the Lausanne curve. But yes, it is. it, is, it has been difficult to well, it is difficult to give up the baby. I don't know, Alan. Do you want to do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, I and uh, you know, thanks to to both Bill and David. I know you've been very supportive of the company and and uh, you know, having your your platform uh, promote our story when there's so many competing stories out there, and all some of them very good. Um, you know, it, it, it really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, Hi and I have been <laughs> firstly we speak to each other a couple of times a day, and we have been doing so for 13, 14 years. Um, we, we originally came together as partners, um, and that's where we met, actually, on bidding for the Ojukoto asset. We bought that from Vale. Um, we, we incorporated uh, Oryx Gold, advanced that, and sold it to P2 Gold. So that's where we met each other. And um, I was just you know, lucky for that experience, because it's not often that you have the opportunity to work with someone that you like working with, you have respect um, for. Um, and uh, yeah, hard work is hard work, but but having fun around that as well, and we've become very good friends from the, 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 that experience. Um, that being said, we have a very complementary set of skills. Um, there's no shortage of promoters on Bay Street that I can tell you, um, and uh, promoters have got like sort of a, a bad connotation, and I guess I'm one of them. But but really, what makes a promoter a good one is is, is having found a, a, a real um, a, a executive real mining executive that understands not only how to you know sort of um, advance and discover projects and ultimately build projects um, but really understand the, the 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 economics of it and and sort of the capital market angle because there really are two different businesses that that, that coincide and that is one of the, the project discovery exploration project development on the one hand and really how you handle capital markets right raising money from the street at the right prices at the right times um keeping your shareholders happy you, you got different opposing views from different shareholders, institutions, high net worth, retail, um, et cetera. And then you have strategic partners along the way, you know, the likes of B2Gold that are a big shareholder of ours, the likes of Ross Beattie, um, who who has, you know, different sort of uh, view um, than, than some, you know, sort of later stage retail sometimes. Um, and and keeping everybody happy and aligned is, is, is a full-time job. Having said that, you know, building a project like this from inception, different to Ojikoto, which which was we we bought already a, a previously discovered and advanced project. We just advanced it further, sold it on. This is a a, a baby of ours, but more particular hires. Everybody knows 
Haya um, is, is a Namibian, a very proud Namibian. Um, and really, this is his baby. He discovered it. He advanced it with a fantastic team. And, um, you know, <laughs> giving it up is almost, well, is more difficult than keeping it and struggling through it. And, and then having the maturity and the, and the, and the state of mind to, to know when to do that, I think in itself is really um, a, a, a compliment. And so <laughs> this was not done haphazardly or easily. You know, many times, Hi and I will be talking late at night and, and, and trying to figure out, is this the right thing to do? And is it the right time? Is Ruby holding on for another buck, squeeze another buck out of it? Um, but really, you got to know what, you're, what, what, what you have in terms of your set of, your toolbox of skills and resources. And I think that's what it comes down to is in this equity market, we've all just gone through really one of the worst markets I've seen. I've been on Bay Street for 25 years now. Um, from South Africa originally, I started my career in Toronto in 2000. Been involved in many, you know, stories, exploration stories. But, but quite frankly, this has been the toughest slope. Um, no matter how much you execute, no matter what the metal price is, and the equity markets just don't seem to care. And and it's really, you know, disheartening when when you're advancing it and uh, at such a magnitude. I mean, from discovery to to definitive feasibility, two and a half, three years. I mean, is really unheard of. And so. With all that being said, you know, finding the right time and the right partner to hand this over ha- has been, you know, a lot of uh, trepidation. But, but, but I think that we've got a great um, comfort and confidence in um, in DPM. Um, they've been in country. They they know they they are well known by their regulators and the government and investors there. They know how to build a mine. They know how to how to produce gold. That's for sure. And um, and uh, we can be proud to hand the project over to them. And we're not giving up. We are still significant shareholders, 50% cash, 50% shares. And, um, you know, we feel that we're doing what's right for our shareholders. And only in retrospect can you look back and say, was that time right? Was it wrong? And hopefully time will prove us right. I think it will. And regardless, um, it will be a, a benefit to, to our shareholders. And, and we're very confident with the decision. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. I, Dave, before I hand it over to you, I just, hi, I want to kind of encapsulate some of the feedback that I've been emailed today and I've also so, seen online. I think it was about two years ago on my show, you said Osina would be one of the safest five baggers that you could get in the sector. You were probably about $1 per share or thereabouts now. So the the bio price is about Canadian $1.55 per share cash and uh, shares of Dundee Precious Metals in consideration. What would you say to the investors that bought two years ago expecting a $5 stock? You know, I obviously cannot predict the future, and I hate talking about future share prices. So you caught me you, you caught me unawares when I made that statement. <laughs> um, the reality of the situation, I should add this to the general statements that Alan made earlier. You know, we have a very unique set of circumstances here, and, you know, retail investors and institutional investors are different. Like every stock wants to migrate um, or grow out of retail into institutionals, and we did that. And when the sun is shining, that's great. But when the clouds move in, all of a sudden that's a problem. I can tell you that some of our large shareholders, I'm not going to mention names, have been experiencing extreme miles over the last three months. There's a Swiss fund, I know, 20% of their fund flowed out in the last six months. So we've had a wall of selling, and, sort of, and that into a situation where we have to raise equity. Um, so I can tell you, I, I saw it on CEO.ca, some comments that were made today around it would have been quite possible that we would have been back at 90 cents because people smell the financing, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, of course, if we had slogged it out, I do think we could have been a, a five back off, you know, the, you know, I'm not saying off a dollar, off, off whatever. I, I do think that in the long run, um, there potentially could have been 
significantly more value. But you know, return never comes on its own. It comes with risk, with volatility. And so, and that's, I think, where the dichotomy was because retail traders, as David, I think David said it to me before, you guys don't buy into stocks for a 50% return or even 100% return. You buy into stocks because you want a 500% return. That's great when you can deliver it. Um, but the institutional shareholders are different. And I think as we we did well by migrating away from retail into more institutional shareholding, to be honest, in the last 12 months, that was a problem for us. The institutional shareholders did not help us. Some did, most of, it, most of them did not. Or a lot of them did not, and um, but unfortunately we have to deal with the situation every day, and so I'm satisfied that everybody's in the green, everybody made money, people are part of a bigger something. I think it gives people a lot of choice. You can cash out, you can carry on, you can stay on. Um, I know I love reading David's um, uh, missives or what should I call them? His pieces on Kitco and so, and and David is right. I think when the market really does turn, these stocks will fly. But I think the producers and the intermediates will fly before the juniors and before the developers. And that's why I think, um, you know, in the next six to 12 months, um, for shareholders to be sitting in DPM is going to be a great place to be. I really believe that. David? Yeah, well, first off, uh, to both of you, congratulations on on the, uh, on the offer. And um, I, I agree with most of what you've been saying. But I want to focus on what you said about um, you being developers and explorers, you're not mind builders. And I completely agree with that. And you did, and you did something remarkable. You took something from, from discovery to bankable feasibility study within four years, which is pretty remarkable. Um, but, um, I know we've had discussions in the, in, in the past, Haya, about, um, your expla- exploration projects, the Ndudu and the, um, Eureka discovery recently would be perfect, um, projects to spin off into another company. So I, I agree with with you um, saying that th- this is a great deal for, for shareholders as far as um, Dundee Precious Metals. They're a fine company. I mean, they're one of the only stocks that are going from the lower left to the upper right in the, in the mining sector uh, in the past few years. And they've done a great job with their projects. And um, they are a great partner to develop Twin Hills. But um, as a shareholder, I would have liked to have seen your exploration projects spun off into another company, and then your team could try to do it for a third time. Um, um, did you did you think about that? Did you consider it? Um, what do you have to say uh, uh, about this uh, option? Yeah, look, David, you've hit on it. We thought about that very hard. We would have loved to have done a spin out, I think. But in the end, we had to think about the totality of the situation. Where on the one hand you had um, you had a an acquirer that has had a lot of success with exploration, a lot of their share, a lot of Dundee Precious Metals own share price growth over the last uh, year or so has been because of Choco Rokita, which is a really a world class, unbelievable discovery discovery that they made in Serbia. So they're very exploration focused, and for them, um, getting access to the exploration upside within Asino was very important. So we had to take that into account. Um, for me personally, I have to say maybe a bit of a personal angle that comes in here. Yes, I would have loved to have done the spin out, fundamentally speaking, from a, as you say, it would have been a great way to to put the icing on the cake, so to speak. Um, but to be honest, Alan said it earlier, Alan and I have been at it for 13 years. With Osina, I've been at it since 2016, properly. Um, it's been tough. Um, and financing, the burden of financing has been weighing on my shoulders all those years. 
And to be honest, I had to be a little bit selfish too. And I thought, is this, do I really want to do this again? Or do, do I want to um, tee up a nice package, ensure responsible and quality custodianship for the cornerstone asset? And at the same time, think about my exploration team, um, make sure that they're funded, allow them to keep going. Yes, I'm giving up some of that value for, for shareholders like yourselves. I'm very conscious of that. But I think in the greater scheme of things, um, it was an acceptable sacrifice for me to make. But I do take it on the chin. Um, it would have been a very nice feature. It's just that at the time, taking everything into account, we felt that it was we weren't willing to risk uh, the DPM deal potentially by too much brinkmanship at that point in time, and that's why we we decided to let it go. So basically, it was it was a deal breaker. If 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 you would have tried to spin that out, they 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 wouldn't have gone for the for for the for the takeover. It's hard to say. You never know. But you know, when you're sitting there and you're having those conversations, remember where those conversations started when before gold before gold's latest blip. But even in that bloody latest blip, excuse my language. So the share price is, and then back down to a dollar ten, dollar five. It's just ridiculous. How can we be in a situation where you have an all-time high for gold, like uh, you know the best macro situation ever that you've described, David? And the market is just lying there in a slumber. And I, 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 that definitely weighed on me because I thought, you know, continue with with Eureka and the other the remaining exploration upside. We would have had to finance again. We would have had to carry on. Um, it would have been a slog, and would would we have gotten shareholder value? Yes, we. I think eventually, yes, optionality would have been there. But in the short term, it would have been continued heavy lifting, and sure, maybe I just got too tired. So I imagine you probably didn't have enough cash to to spit out with with the exploration projects as well. Uh, we could have engineered it, but the reality is, let me be frank here. We ended there. We are going to end the year with three and a half million dollars in the bank. Alan and I were always so conscious of doing the right thing for shareholders. So we managed to do successively higher financings, I think every time except one time. Um, and, and so we, we you can say we tried to finesse the markets too much because we got into the situation where at the end of the year, all of a sudden we were, you know, I use the, the, the sort of, I say we were lightly funded. We were not lightly funded. We were, we, we didn't have a lot of cash. It doesn't mean that we were desperate. We could have, we, we would have financed ourselves, et cetera. We had Ross Beatty and key shareholders and others lined up. But it was a, it was a strong consideration because then the spinout would have been, yeah. I wouldn't say that the financing of the spinout was the key consideration. The key consideration was ensuring a successful outcome with DPM. That was the key consideration. But in the back of my mind, I did think back. I sat back and thought, um, do we want to go this again with an exploration company in a tough market? And I just thought, no. Alan, sorry, I interrupted murder. Do you want to add? To no, this? I, was I was trying to interrupt you, but saying that. Because we lived this transaction, it wasn't that it wasn't well, you know, considered and 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 brought up with DPM in the discussion. They they know what they were getting, okay, and that that expiration upside, and you can see in the presentation they gave this morning, um, and in the press release that 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 expiration upside was also very important to them um, as part of the value of this deal. So you know, I I. Uh, like I I'm ready to get going again. I'm so invigorated. I need a few weeks on the beach because he's been more intensely involved. It's much easier sitting on Bay Street and having you know uh, uh, meetings with brokers than actually being in the field and dealing with all the people that he does and the regulators, etc. Um, but yeah, it, it, we 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 did try and um, and and I feel comfortable that we tried our hardest without putting the comp the, the the deal at jeopardy. 
because having DPM there, you know, was was important for us, and we believe it was the right partner. But David, I think uh, another way for you and your and and Bill for your shareholders to play this is with the next one that we will do, because um, I mean, Bill was fortunate in that his guys. I, I don't know exactly when they came in, but as Bill said, like somewhere around the thirty cents level, we started promoting it. David, I'm not sure when you came in, probably quite a bit later. But I um, think my, my average cost is uh, 45 cents US, 49 cents uh, US. I pitched it to David okay, okay. when it was 75 cents and he waited until it dropped back down. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I tell you, like, you know, now, now uh, you know, recently the market sort of got a little bit of life left. But before that, like at the end of last year when we were trading down to, where did we go to? I think 53 cents or 55 cents. And even then towards the end of the year, 80 cents, it said, no. There were a lot of people out there. I think a lot, a lot of retail type shareholders, friends and family, etc., that were fatigued. In in addition to the institutions, I think your guys, David, they pros, um, and I think that for them it's probably more paid for because they they can take it on the chin. But we had a, we had a lot of real moms and pops, and so and um, uh, yeah, yeah, a wall, like I said, a wall of selling. And yeah, we could have worked our way through it, but it would not have been pretty. And uh, and you know, I think there would have been a significant risk of us just treading water for for a long time. Um, and so this, at least we've created some liquidity. There's, there are going to be other deals. People are exposed to a, a, you know, a quality story. And you know, for me personally, also, it has always been very important. No one's ever lost money on my deals. And that's very important to me. Maintaining my reputation. Um, and, and yeah, that's why I, you know, we think about the upside. I'm an optimistic, bullish guy at heart. But I have to force myself also to consider the downside. And that's, that's what we did here too. Hiya, what were the change of control fees involved in the transaction? Um, so, oh, you got me. I, I don't have the exact number. It's 4% of the value of the transaction. So it's around about $10 million. I have to say, I've got to be careful here because, you know, as you can imagine, when you sign an arrangement agreement like this, um, there are some very tough anti-solicitation clauses in there. So I can't talk too widely about other parties, et cetera, et cetera. Just suffice to say, I'm going to repeat or emphasize what Alan said earlier, which is, we did this very thoroughly. We had a very thorough process. We had professional advisors involved. And in the end, we we arrived at DPM because we felt it was in the best interest of shareholders. Um, of course, generically speaking, there's always the possibility of a of a superior proposal. And um, the arrangement agreement provides for that. That's we 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 got top class legal advice from from Steichman and Elliot uh, or Steichman, sorry, in uh, in Toronto. They made sure that our interests are protected. Um, and how that pans out, we have no idea. I think there's there are there's three months to go in terms of closing the transaction. I would not. I'm I'm not trying to hold out a carrot or anything like that. This is this is this is standard deal protections that are part of any deal like this. The break fee is is in the, is is market. You know, it's it's not high, it's not low, um, and we have no idea what would happen. You know, um, yeah. So, 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 so to be precise, um, you asked about change of control payment. The break fee was actually three and a half percent, which is right in the middle of the range, and that's ten million dollars. Three and a half percent. Okay, yeah. not change yeah. of control. It's termination fee. Termination yeah. fee went off. A change of control is way less than that. Change of control. If you if you're referring to change of control of executives on Correct. sale, is that what you're referring to? Oh, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Your in, your incentive potentially, if someone were to critique oh, sorry, you. Bill, is that what you asked? Yeah. Uh, so it, so we, someone could say, well, did they have an incentive to sell at a lower price? Because I feel like they sold that, too low. Well, that, we can tell you. I'm not going to tell you what the number is, but in my case, it is uh, three times the annual base salary without bonus. 
like Alan says, it doesn't touch the side. You know, our our position as shareholders was multiples of the change of control payment. It's very different to the usual management teams who have no skin in the game and who focus completely on the change of control payment. You're 100% correct in asking that question and challenging it. Um, but I can tell you on that side, definitely not motivated by that. I think it's the opposite. I think we were disincentivized to sell based on change of control. It would have been more in our interest to stay along and collect a salary, a check, get op options and RSUs as we build the mine for the next five years. That would have been more in our personal interest um, because you just prolong it, right? Um, and so we get salaries, but we are founders. We funded this company from inception together with shareholders. We wrote checks most of the times along the way. And, um, you know, it's it's about the equity for us. It always has been. It's not about the, the fees. In fact, you know, hire is quite a hard taskmaster. Many times the board would approve bonuses. Then hire would say, no, guys, this doesn't look right. Although it's market standard and we return it, we would literally turn down and only accept a lower bonus or lower comp uh, plan. So we've been very prudent all the time. So. Your, your, your investors should be rest assured that um, the, the, the change of control was not an incentive. Sorry, I got that I got that wrong on the termination versus change of control. But I wanted to make one more point. You know what really motivated me? Is to make sure that everybody looks good. I wanted a credible deal that makes everyone look good. Me, that makes shareholders happy. I didn't want any losers. Um, and I don't think there are any losers. Yes, there could have been bigger winners. Yes, we could have poked higher. We could have, we could have done that, but then there would have been the risk of of, of potentially creating losers and I didn't want that and that's why I do think this deal makes everyone look good it's a trouble it's a credible deal and it's 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 ultimately in the best interest of you know shareholders and stakeholders David any final questions yeah um going back to what you said about the the, the carrot being being dangled like it's basically um um if there's going to be another offer um you know um I've been looking at that at uh asino as a very you know, strong takeover candidate for a while now. And, you know, not, not only myself, but many others felt that B2 would have been the perfect partner. Like they were, they were the last time for Oryx and they're also 9% shareholders. And, uh, Ross Beatty's an 18% shareholder, I believe. Um, first, first question is, is, um, I know you have, there's, there's confident confidentiality issues. So whatever you can tell me, um, are they, first of all, are they both on board with this transaction? No. So let me just correct you. Ross Beatty is still the biggest shareholder, but he's he owns around 11% now. Obviously, with the financing, et cetera, he got diluted a bit. I'll tell you who the shareholders are. Ross, 11%. Um, Alan and I and our family groupings in different baskets, uh, forget the exact number, probably somewhere around 7 8%. Patrick Carpo, Power One Capital Markets, also around 8%. And then Resource Capital Funds, also around about there. Um, and then we got Merck out of the U.S., also very significant, a couple of smaller ones. Um, so the key shareholders are all on board. Of course, you know, I can't, uh, there's a public forum, so I can't speak on behalf of them. But generally speaking, we canvass the key shareholders there on board. B2 Gold is an interesting one, and I can speak about it because, yes, B2 Gold was always going to be the company that would buy us. Um, they have been a riddle, to be honest. I mean, uh, they obviously bought Sabina and they've, they they having to do some very heavy lifting there that's obviously a billion dollars of capital and an ant they have significant problems in mali so i think uh, maybe they just didn't want to take on another development project at this stage i think that was it was more it um you can read at the bottom of the press release that we had two very professional advisors helping us on this for a long time that's pimo and treadstone treadstone of sydney pimo out of london and we did canvas the market quite well over the last year when I say the market, the 
the universe of potential corporate acquirers. We had site visits. We we um, we had some interests. We had some interests. I'll say some, not significant, because you know there hasn't been a lot of M and A, and the the universe of potential acquirers out there. Many of them were probably inward focused and focused on themselves. And to be honest, this this was a consideration as well in accepting this deal because we we had to weigh it up and say what's the chance of of um, you know being able to get something better or somebody else and we had to weigh all of that up. So, of course, there are always the wild cards. Um, as you know, there could be, you know, there are Asian groups that are acquisitive, et cetera. All those things we cannot predict. I'm just giving you a generic answer. It's always possible that one of those could come in. Um, for us, we focused on making this transaction with DPM a success. We like them. We're very happy to receive um, shares from them. Um, we do think that the significant cash component is a very important feature of this transaction because um, it de-risks the completion of this transaction. If if there had been no cash, I think we probably might have. Uh, you know, you can look at the all corp situation with Silvercorp. What happened there? I don't know if you followed that. Um, where so that's that's an unhappy outcome. That doesn't make people that good. Yeah. Well, that's so well, that's what that was going to be part of my follow up. And Perseus up there, <laughs> excuse me, up their stake to nineteen point nine to spurn. Silvercorp's offer, and now they've they've canceled the meeting for the for, for the takeover by Silvercorp. So, I was you know I was trying to find out if there was going to be any chance that B two might try to do the same thing. No, I don't think so. You know, B two B two got that stake um, by accident. You know, not by accident. That's being a little bit presumptuous here. We bought the Undulu project from them for cash and shares, so they ended up with this. B two have actually been very supportive. You know, they've been they've allowed us to do site visits in Namibia. We they've allowed us to brag with their mine all these years. And we're very thankful for that. Um, I think they've got bigger fish to fry. I do think they missed. I think they missed. They 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 missed this one. I think B2, this would have been a wonderful acquisition for B2 Gold. And I, I still scratch my head and I don't understand what their considerations were at the time. And they will have to, you know, let them speak for themselves. Um, but they were supportive in this. Um, they never sold any shares. And I think they I think they will be supportive in in allowing this transaction to proceed. B2, I don't foresee any situation like 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 um like 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 what you had with Silvercorp. You never know. You know, you never know what happens in the back rooms. We 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 our shareholders as closely as we can. We generally in very close contact with B2 Gold and 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 we've 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 enjoyed having them as shareholders actually. Um but yeah, it's a pity that they never came and you know, time will tell whether they agree that that was a missed opportunity for them or not. Well, Haya, how soon before we see you reemerge? How many years do you need to take off with the family? Oh, you know what? I've, I've got to be honest. They they said to me, oh, you will never stop. You must take a break. To be honest, I'm already thinking about new deals. Um, so let's stay close. I mean, let's, I mean we've got to focus on, on, on concluding this transaction first, and I'm 100% focused on that. But thereafter, I'd love to do the new things. There are lots of other opportunities out there where our skill set can be brought to bear. I think we have a lot of very happy shareholders now that would support us in a new deal. Um, and we'd love to have you guys in, in a new deal as well. We'll make 100% sure that we notify you early on when something comes up. Well, congratulations, Haya. Congratulations, Alan. Many years you put into this. And Dave, thanks for joining the show. And uh, to you and all your subscribers, like Haya said, at least you're in the green, right? Especially in a market that's overall red. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed this sort of send-off because uh, it was great to be able to speak freely and in this format. So I, I really appreciate the support that both of you 
have given us in, in all these years. We'd love to work with you guys again. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you, everybody. Happy holidays. Thanks for including me. Thank you. Happy holidays to all you guys. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.